Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Finished your RPP. Finished my RPP? Your RSG, what was it called? With... uh, Harris County? I don't remember. Oh, RFP. Yeah, request for proposal. Yeah. <sighs> and they didn't bite. Well, they might. I don't know. It's only the the official thing has to be. So, I mean, this not that anyone wants to hear about how boring this kind of stuff <laughs> no, is. No, let's, let's, let's not do it. Let's not. Okay. I was, I was just okay. being a good friend and asking how your weekend was. <laughs> you were just being polite. Um, yeah, I mean, long story short, they have... Uh, till November 2nd to actually like there's there's this is a bidding process basically so it's not that it uh, we were in contact with them in fact we're supposed to not be in contact with them until the second but um, we had to like do competitive analysis and like all this other kind of stuff it's it's just one of those things where we're like in a bidding war against other people that's basically the the gist of it Uh, but Man, there's got to be like a better workflow for doing this kind of stuff because they basically the person who has to make these kinds of pricing level decisions isn't me. But then I take care of everything once they make those decisions. But they like we had to have our responses like or our our binder has to be done and complete our like bid officially such that it can be submitted in advance and then they can make a decision by November 2nd which is really soon so like it had to be done and we were trying to get everything aligned by Friday but uh like Friday at 5 p.m was our deadline to assemble everything but the person who was making the pricing decisions only did so at like Friday at 2 p.m oh that's the worst yeah, so it's like again, this is one of those things where just people who don't do their part of the uh, group project basically hold the whole thing up. It's like it's something; it's a tale as old as time, if you will, because you know it's it's followed me since middle school, throughout college, and then even into my professional life. So that's just kind of how it is. I will not. Oh, yeah, you will not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we got that done, and like, so I had to work kind of late last night, even too, but. It is what it is. Hopefully uh, it's more money in the bank and hopefully it means something coming back my way. But how are you? What's new with you? Uh, let's see. I did an uh, interview for a magazine here in town. Mm, like yeah. you were being interviewed or you conducted the interview? I was being interviewed. Okay. And it was uh, like a night and day experience from my uh, podcast rant a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. Oh, you mean... You mean um, you mean you mean your podcast experience, like you being a guest on that other podcast, right? Where I, was, I felt like I was going to be interviewed, and I really wasn't. I was just asked questions, right, to prompt prompt uh, talking points for the other for the host, right, right. But this one was she. She was asking questions. She was you know doing follow ups. She was uh-huh. you know relating to what I was saying. You know uh, w- whether she agreed or disagreed. So it was a conversation, mm-hmm. and it really kind of got me to be more expressive in my words. Mm-hmm. And so she keeps, you know, she was digging for quotes. She wants quotes for her articles. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need skills to really get a person to open up and provide those to you. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's the two. It's it's kind of like a two really important skills. The first is being able to listen effectively, right? Right. So you're not just like loading yourself up for the next thing that you're saying or the next. You don't get stuck on. Oh, that's a great idea for a next question, and then not hear whatever <laughs> response is happening. You know. So the the ability to actively listen. Uh, and then the ability to also act, like ask these meaningful and important questions that will drive these like meaningful and uh, interesting responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's like a, a talent, really. Um, that's why like people like Neil Strauss and uh, Chuck Klosterman and stuff like that, who like make that transition really well from doing uh, just pieces for, you know, whether it was like Rolling Stone and Neil Strauss's case. Oh, wait, no, it was Rolling Stone and Klosterman and Neil Strauss's case. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Evidently, I just like writers from Rolling Stone. <laughs> um, uh, but but uh, so the ability to transition from that into like full length books because they're they're still able to do the same kind of investigative pieces, but in a very like flushed out sort of way. Right. So so what were you uh, what were you specifically being interviewed about? We were talking about Elephant Scout and our plans for the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we plan on releasing our scripted podcast in January. So it was, they were like, oh, we have an article opening in January. Let's, uh, you know, do you have anything coming out that month? And it's like, uh, we did by chance. And so now we have this article coming out. And so it's like a legit deadline to actually finish this project. Wow. Which is yeah. very stressful. So how has that changed so was this scripted podcast already in production before this, or is it going to be in production now? It's been, well, we've been trying to write it and mm-hmm. writing it is a whole different process than writing a movie because yeah. we're writing for a medium that's strictly uh, audio mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a medium that's all visuals. And so in screenwriting school, they teach you to write to show, don't tell. And mm-hmm. now that we're on a, basically a radio show, we have to tell because we can't show because there's no visuals right, attached right. to a podcast. Yeah. So it's, it's been uh, interesting to learn how to write for this. Mm-hmm. And and so now you've basically given yourself, like you arbitrarily had 2021 as your release date, but now that you've stated in an article, it's become real. Well, it's going to be even more real because now we have to, well, they're going to mention it in the articles. Now, even which, realer than real. <laughs> it's even realer than real. What's yeah. interesting, interesting though, about like magazines is they have like a monthly release, right? So sure. this magazine comes out once a month. Yeah. So let's say it comes out the first of January. We don't, like technically we shouldn't release our podcast on the new year's day. That's, that's like a silly day to release something. I think. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's paying attention. Right. We're going to wait until the 7th of January mm-hmm. after the three wise men drop off the <laughs> gold frankincense and myrrh to baby Jesus. Yeah. Till we release this podcast. And so it gives us like, we can say in the article, January 27th is when the part uh, gets released. So that gives us the whole month of January really to finish it up. Because mm-hmm. right now it's kind of, we're like at rough drafts of the scripts and they're pretty rough. And But once we get the scripts done, I think recording and editing is going to be a, a breeze. Yeah. So are you going to, uh, because obviously it's not the same format as like what we're doing here. It's a little bit different. Uh, so are you going to like... And and I don't know how this works in terms of movies or stuff like that, but basically you you shoot a scene at a location and stuff like that. Are you breaking it up kind of like that, or are you trying to do it in larger chunks than you would a, a film because you're not dependent on location as much? Well, we have uh, we have three people writing the scripts. 
And so instead of doing, uh, I'll take episodes one, four, and seven, we're doing storylines. So there's like a, a past storyline with a lot of flashbacks to it. Mm-hmm. There's this bank robbery storyline. And then there's a serial killer storyline. So we okay. have these three storylines happening uh, basically in every episode. So we, the way we decided to divvy it up was this person's going to write all the flashbacks. This person's going to write all the bank robbery stuff. Mm-hmm. And this person's going to write all the serial killer stuff. So it's, it's, it's going to be more cohesive. Uh, that's each individual storyline is going to be more cohesive throughout the series arc. Mm-hmm. And then I get to be the one that goes through and uh, make sure everything kind of molds together between those three storylines. Mm. There's a, so it's, it's like an anthology. Yeah. It's like an anthology. I would, I wouldn't say that. It's kind of like when you watch, uh, what's the show that you watch that I also watch? <laughs> yeah. What's a, sh- what's a show you're watching right now? I just finished Ted Lasso. Okay. What's another show that you just finished? <laughs> uh, I mean, besides the ones that I routinely cycle, such as BoJack Horseman, Entourage, and uh, what else do I routinely cycle? I mean, Community, but that's kind of more of a throwaway. Um, good question. What else have I recently been watching? Rick and Morty. Uh man do, do we not share any shows in common uh uh, uh we kind of do well it's kind of like in uh bojack when he's trying to film a movie he's trying to do secretariat uh-huh but he has all these side stories yeah so he's got you know he has these weird uh visions when he's blacked out of his yeah. past and his childhood traumas and stuff like that yeah. so that would be similar to our flashbacks oh okay so you have one main storyline but then you have these two other storylines that are kind of running in parallel or right being revealed and then in parallel. right and then the bank robbery would be like todd doing something crazy with yeah. cereal or yeah, yeah, yeah whatever he does whatever he does okay Freaking that todd. Makes sense. Freaking and then todd, the main yeah. storyline would be bojack trying to do secretary at the movie mm-hmm. okay yeah, so, so that's, that's basically going to be it i don't think that's an anthology i think anthology is three stories yeah, that are that are disconnected, but they find like some piece to tie them together. I just right. recently watched um, this Hulu, like Hulu just pumped out. I don't know if you're aware of this, so so let me backtrack. Actually, so at the start of, or maybe in October of last year, so in 2019, maybe uh, I think Hulu started doing this thing called Into the Dark. Are you uh, aware of what I'm referring to? Into the dark, no. Okay. So basically what they did, it's kind of a lot like how I was, you know, oh, I'm going to do the Murph every week on Saturday. And that was like my thing. Hulu must have committed themselves that I think the project was called Into the Dark, but then each film is named its own thing, you know. Um, But basically Hulu decided that they were going to do a new horror movie every month. And it's like, it's a Hulu original. Oh. And... It, it was weird. So that started in, I think, October. And they're all themed after like the month, right? Which makes some of them kind of interesting or like, oh, that's unique. It makes some of them really campy and dumb. It makes some of them um, like very, uh, it makes some of them very uh, tropey and stuff like that. So like, for instance, um, the first ones that I watched uh, were around christmas or new year's time so there was this one about how uh this guy 
gets a job as like being a like as if a, a new Furby came out, but it wasn't called Furby. It was called Puka. And uh, the, do you know what I'm talking about? No, so then the not guy at all. like gets into the Puka suit and he has a job being like the Puka guy at the store, but then he's blacking out. <laughs> And and then like things are messed up, things are happening in his life, but he can't remember what happens when he's putting on the suit and it's this whole thing. And then they also did one where like they did a Thanksgiving one where a bunch like somebody hired a bunch of actors to come to the house and pretend to be pilgrims and they were going to act out the first Thanksgiving. But it turns out they're like psychopaths who actually think that they're pilgrims or something like that. Interesting. Um, there's a New Year's one that's basically all themed about how like, oh, there's this girl who's an Instagram famous person or she's an influencer or whatever. And she's always on her Instagram and saying like, New Year, New Me and all this kind of stuff. But it turns out it's all fake and she actually kills people and stuff like that. So that's uh, so they recently put out an anthology one for Halloween and it was such a bad movie like they're all they're all just well because they all follow i think they all follow this like blumhouse model do you know what i'm now do you know what i'm referring to when i say that yes it's definitely low budget horror movies yeah yeah it's like it's like all these pretty low budget and so they always make their their expense back back. yeah because it's like they found out that this is a market that you can basically tap into that you know i think that that genre pretty much people have I don't know if it's that people have lower expectations. You might be able to help me out with this thought. I don't know if it's that people have lower expectations of horror movies or just that they're very easily consumed. Like they're they're not, you know, I, I don't think people are holding them to Oscar standards ever or anything like that. So, so I feel like the bar or the barrier to entry is lower. So you end up getting a much larger, like the demand is far greater than the supply. Uh-huh. I don't I, know if I, that... I do think horror movies have an audience that is more forgiving than let's say a popular audience. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. so you can't, you can't make a uh, Captain America movie on right. a horror movie budget just because yeah. those two stories don't align. And if you did make a Captain America movie on a horror movie budget, a lot of people would be disappointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I do feel like horror movie has had uh, a history of being low budget kind of B movie Mm-hmm. kind of throwaway stories that, you know, not a lot of people took seriously, especially at the beginning of when it's inception, no one really took horror movies seriously. Yeah. And then once they got campy and gory and grew gruesome, they definitely built an audience and, and that low budgetness kind of has been forgiven throughout the history of the genre. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, when um, me and my buddy were kind of scrolling through, cause we were looking for some like horror movies to watch the amount of remakes and reboots or, or like between sequels and reboots, the amount of like the same property. Like, do you know how many Texas Chainsaw movies there are and how many of those are reboots? Like, like they've rebooted the thing so many times because they're like, oh, here's the origin story. But then in the next movie, they tell the origin story again, but they're just changing it a little bit. But it's the right. same thing. So it's like, my God, if you if you can make a steady like the the budgets must be low and you can just kind of make a steady income off this. So so anyway, so when I refer to the Blumhouse model, that's basically what I think Hulu is getting on board with, too, is that like, look, we're going to do it's a whole lot of movies that are like paranormal, meaning a ghost, meaning that you're 
probably spending some money on some like cheap CGI, but you don't actually have to pay for something to be there. You can like rig some practical effects to blow pans out of the doors or something like that. But then outside of that, you're not doing much. Right. Um, but yeah, anyways, but, um, in this one, it's called books of blood. And there's like, actually there's two actors who used to be kind of like decently big names or they seemed like they were onto something. And now it just shows that their career has just teetered off. Yeah. That yeah. Sucks. It's a, it's a real bummer, but it is what it is. Um, you said something in there, uh, when you were talking about scripting, Oh, realer than real that kind of like got in my head about something that's kind of happened with me this past week, uh, that I wanted to get your, not so much your take on, but, uh, see if, well, what your opinion of this kind of workflow is. And then if you had any of your, like your own unique strategies to share. Okay. Okay. So I think I, I already texted you about this earlier this week, but I'm very excited about it, even though it's like probably to most listeners or most professionals or most entrepreneurs or whatever. This is such basic baseline, like nothingness. But to me, it's new, uh, which just goes to show you that I may be like the the adage is like work smarter, not harder. I think I've been working harder this whole time and not working smarter at all. Um, are you familiar with Todoist? No. Okay. This thing has changed my life. In what way? Um, and, and to clarify, we're not sponsored by Todoist, and I don't even think that they have a revenue model, or maybe they have a, I think they have a premium model, so they are making money somehow. I just don't, like, I don't have the premium, so whatever. But we're not sponsored by Todoist, but we should be, because it's a life-changing tool, at least for me it was. Um, in what way, uh, I've always thought that I was kind of an organized person or I, you know, but it's very easy for me. For me, it's less about organization and more about, uh, lowering the barrier to entry to doing stuff. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, um, so there's this book, I would suggest you read it. It's not nearly as long and terrible as, uh, principles. principles. <laughs> it's. Kind of, it's shorter and it's a it's a much better read. It's called Atomic Habits. Have you heard of it? I have not. Okay, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, I read it at the top of this year, and basically, it's it, it's a book about how you can instantiate good habits in your life and how you can do stuff like that. And I'm always pretty okay with that when it comes to like things like uh, physical stuff, martial arts, you know, lifting, all that kind of stuff. But I struggle to have any form of like good habits or that kind of thing in both my professional life and then in kind of the creative projects that I'm undertaking outside of my directly professional life or what I'm paid for. Um, so one of the things that this book kind of said is that you want to make it easy on yourself to do the things that you're supposed to do. So accessibility, I guess, is like really one of the, one of the key things. Like if you have your remote control, like right there on the TV or right there on the table, it's super easy for you to just like turn on the TV and like, you know, whatever, because you're relaxing, you feel good. You're just like fucking around watching movies, you know, whatever. But he really wanted to learn how to play the guitar. So instead he put the remote in a drawer in his, like in his display cabinet or whatever. And he made sure instead of having the guitar in his case that was in his closet, he kept that out on a stand. So it was right in front of him. 
So basically what you're doing is like, I need to practice the guitar because I want to get better. And I have this like schedule that I keep myself to. So I'm going to lower the barrier of entry or like the activation energy required to go do that thing. And mm-hmm. then that way I'm more likely to practice at the time that I slated that I was going to practice. And then I'm more likely to build the skills up and, you know, make things better. Right. So for me, that's basically what this to doist thing is doing. On the surface, it's like a very simple, it's a very simple app, right? Or, or it's not even, I think they have a mobile. I don't do it on mobile. I only do it on desktop. Basically, it's this tool that allows you to create what they call projects, which are basically like tracks of stuff that you want to accomplish. And then you can list out either just in a step-by-step sort of um, tabular like uh, checklist, basically, of like things you need to do Uh Or you can have it in a format that's like, so the way that I have it for my professional life for Axon is like, here's the queue of stuff that, and they're like little boxes. Uh, I think that's called a Kanban board, but. Is that something you made up or something you read in a book or something the uh, app calls it? It's something that I think I read somewhere at some point in time, but I can't place it anymore. Like, I don't know what that, that is. A Kanban? Yeah, like. K-A-N-B-A-N. Is that anything? I don't know. That doesn't sound like anything. No, I'm going to say no. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe it's not a Kanban board. I don't know. Okay. So, um, but it it is something. If you Google it, it is something. It is something. Okay. So Kanban board is something. Yeah. What does it say? Uh, There's like little columns on it. It's like backlog, in progress, peer review, in test, done, blocked, I'm sure it's different stages of a project, however you label them. Okay, see, I'm glad you looked it up because I was going to describe it way more shittier than that. Like, I wasn't going to be able to to make that leap into what you said. But yeah, basically you use it as a to-do list, uh, same as the same format where it's like you can check things off, but you visualize it in the different stages of whatever project you're, you're kind of doing. So it's like on... Um, the first thing I did on this Todoist was like I made one of those project management boards, the Kanban board for like my professional life, like the stuff I do at work. Uh-huh. Then I have a checklist for my morning and evening routines. And then I did made another project board for uh, for um, uh, flow roll for flow roll for flow roll. Nice. Um, and so that so first and foremost the ability to instead of just because oftentimes I'll come up with an idea while I'm driving or something like that or while I'm doing something else because uh, I forget what principle this is or what it's called but basically when you're locked in and you're looking at something and you're trying to solve a problem directly you're artificially limiting where your brain will go because you're thinking of just the things and the parameters of like solutions it's a shower principle Exactly. Is that what it's called? I don't know, but that's what I call it. Yeah, yeah, but but that's exactly what I'm referring to, right? Is that like oftentimes when I'm doing something else, now my conscious mind is thinking about entirely different things, but then something clicks because now it's like, oh, I'm considering options that I wouldn't have considered if I was literally just looking at the thing. So that actually made it super good for for flow roll in that sense, because oftentimes I'll come up with ideas when I'm just like chatting with somebody about it or when I'm at the gym and we're actively doing it. I'm like, 
huh, okay, I feel this way or, or you know, whatever. And so when I'm testing or when I'm doing that sort of thing, I come up with ideas, but I never had a place like I used to just write them down somewhere and then lose the scrap of paper that I had written it down on or something. Like now I have a central repository that keeps all of that on, like on track. The second greatest thing about it or or really the thing that I think is really kind of changing the way that I work and the way that I do stuff is that it has this natural uh what is it called natural language processing like built okay. in oh so you can so, just speak it yeah well well you type it I think you oh. can speak it too I think if you do it through the mobile app you can also talk to it and it'll okay. it'll set things for you but basically I can say um uh in my to-do list for flow roll for instance I'll, I can be like Oh, uh, um, uh, create another test batch for the week of this week. So that way I like know, uh, and then I say tomorrow and it'll naturally, it'll link tomorrow to my calendar, which I link to the app. And then it programs that into the block that I, like I said, tomorrow at 10. Mm -hmm. So it'll set something in my calendar that's linked that will, is now linked to my phone that will then give me a reminder 15 minutes before and tell me, hey, you're supposed to build your formulations for the week for this next coming week today at 10. Right. So it's that kind of like level of automation that's just keeping me on track. And it's kind of like that barrier of uh, barrier to entry that I was talking about before with like the guitar learning example where, you know, you keep the remote away, but you keep the guitar close by and then you're more likely to grab the guitar than grab the remote. Similarly, this tends to, and I don't know what it is, and we talked about this on CSS a little bit, so that's why I wanted to get your thoughts on this and then also see what your workflows are. Um, Because one of the things we said in CSS was like, once you write it down, it becomes real, right? Right, Realer than real, as you you said earlier. (laughs) I don't remember saying that, but sure. Realer than real? You just said it this podcast. We can rewind this tape (laughs) and, and bring it back. Anyways, doesn't matter. Point being that uh, it like it's not magic, obviously, but something does. I, I found at least for the past week or two that I've been using Todoist, it actively like changes how I because now it when I say, oh, you have to do this tomorrow at 10 or when you have to do this tomorrow, I'm much more likely to do it than if I just say to myself, OK, tomorrow you have to make the formulations for the next week. You know, you're supposed to do that. And then Sunday rolls around and I'm like, um, I'll get to it. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of other stuff I need to do. There's something about, and I can't explain it. It's like, I feel like I owe something to someone, but that someone is me. And it's not like that's, <laughs> it's not like that changes when I just tell myself, you know, anything. But for some reason, when I write it down in this list and I put a date and a time to it, it like really holds me accountable better. It sounds like a person's, I feel like a person's calendar is kind of like, the, the part of them that they give up to someone else. So mm. if you work a nine to five, your schedule is kind of made up by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. If you work at a corporation, your boss makes your schedule or mm. requests you to be at a meeting on Thursday yeah. at two, you have to show up to it because, you know, hierarchy of working in a workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But I, I do think with, uh, in the entrepreneurial world, you're kind of, you don't have that person. You're that person making the schedule. And right. so being able to, actually define time for yourself to work on something I think is what we subconsciously crave just because it's been worked into our psyche since childhood, mm-hmm. you know, show up to school at seven in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, 
work until do school until nine, then go to recess and then take a nap. And then, you know, we've been scheduled as since yeah. chil- you know, as children uh, all the way. And then now we're adults kind of, and now yeah. who's making our schedule? Who's, who's supposed to do that? Who's supposed to, yeah. someone's supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And you want me to do this on my own? Yeah. 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 So I do think maybe giving yourself like defining those times for yourself in a way that isn't, you kind of sneak it in. Mm -hmm. It sounds like when Mm -hmm. you do it this way, like you can sit down on Sunday, schedule a bunch of stuff. And then on Wednesday, you'll get an alert. It's like, Oh, I'm supposed to be doing that. That's right. Someone's telling me what to do. And you kind of forget it's you telling you what to do. Yeah. I think you're totally right there. Um, because it's the same stuff, right? It never changed. I, I have stuff to do on Sunday. I have stuff to do on Wednesday, you know, whatever. It never changed. But for some reason, the act of having it in a repository somewhere, like having it somewhere, like hard written down, and then the fact that it will tell me, like it'll notify me on my phone that you are supposed to do this at this time. I think you're right. Like it feels like an assignment, but I'm ultimately assigning myself as opposed to someone else assigning me. And so that that really tends to keep me on track. Like the past two weeks have been a whole lot better in terms of productivity, both in um, in in my like actual nine to five, but then also productivity for for flow roll. Like I'm not doing, you know, day of like, oh, shit, let me get my formulation together for, for you know, whatever. It's like I'm actually keeping the boundaries on my times much better. Um, I also like integrated a, uh, a note taking thing. So now the notes that I'm taking on my phone about like qualitative results from from testing are linking directly back to my to do list. And then I like can kind of reference that and think like, OK, what does that mean for the stuff that I have to do for this next week? Like what, right. what, what were the implications of that? Like, do I need to scrap the formulation that I currently have for this entire, cause now I'm, I'm batching by the week. I'm no longer doing by like day to day to day. day, to day yeah. Cause that got exhausting. That got exhausting really, really quick. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to front load this. But if my qualitative experience was very poor, uh, one week, then I know like, all right, let me scrap the formulation that I currently have. And let me just, then I'm going to do like a one-off that week and, and start a new one with like tweaked variables and stuff like that. But um, it, also, it also reminds me of, I don't know, do you talk about it a lot? Cause it was in principles or maybe it was in some, <laughs> some other book about mm-hmm. the, um, when you start your day, you just make your bed. Oh yeah. 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 Um, that wasn't necessarily, I mean, it might've been referenced in principles. I'm not sure, but it's, it's in a lot of books. It's certainly in, um, I mean that that uh, naval uh, admiral Admiral McRaven or whatever. He, yeah, he, some sort of graduation it. speech or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of reminded me of that, but also the idea of laying out your clothes the night before, mm-hmm. or like making these small decisions to start off your day. Yeah. And when you have it, when you sit down on Sunday and you make this decision to you know work on your formula on Tuesday. Yeah, you you've already you're already winning because you already made that decision to kind of move forward because the scary part is always the first step. And the first Mm -hmm. step is deciding what to work on next. Yeah. And if you don't, if, you know, I think scheduling it is kind of a way to alleviate that stress of what do I do first? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, because it's like, it feels like it's already been decided. And I, and I think that's why you're interestingly so right about the connection. Like I didn't put this together but you're so right about the subconscious connection about like our time having been scheduled for us for so long. So it's like, I have to 
pretend as or like I then I feel comfortable when things have been scheduled for me. But in this case, I have to like actually do the forethinking to or the forethought rather to schedule it for myself. Right. Um, Because, for instance, one of the things that I'm trying to achieve for this week is uh, because I've been perusing Reddit and trying to find exactly the right, you know, subcategories and stuff like that, because in Reddit, my God, it's nearly infinite. Like, have you experienced this? That it's like, oh, sure, there's there's Reddit, you know, jujitsu, but then there's Reddit uh, Nogi. There's Reddit, uh, the uh, Reddit, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, sub only, you know, whatever. And like, so there, there's these are all jujitsu Reddits, but they're all different, different variations of of similar things. It's, uh-huh. like, it's nearly infinite. So I've been pouring over Reddit recently, but um, I actively wanted to be like okay let me write my first like long form thing so now i've scheduled myself to write my first long form thing and i'm gonna see like all right well now you're accountable to it like it's on the list it's on it's on the kanban board dude it's on the kanban board (laughs) it's on the kanban yeah so um so it's just like it's this it's kind of this great way that kind of holds me accountable and i know like a lot of other people have a whole, whole lot of other systems like are you familiar with an accountability mirror i don't want to know what that is (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's basically it's it's a similar concept, but it's basically where you write everything that you like all your projects or all the stuff that you're like you have to do for the day or whatever. But you the night before had sticky noted it all over your mirror so that the next morning when you're brushing your teeth and doing all your stuff, it's like you're like, oh, yeah, that's all my shit. But I don't want to clutter up my mirror or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm I'm trying to, like, house it into a native unit. Yes. That's a lot of post-its. It's a lot of post-its. I was notorious for using a lot of post-its. When was that? That might have honestly been a replacement for the Kanban board before I had one because I used to just do post-its for things that I had to do for work and then like stick it on my monitors. But it just got cluttered and messy really fast. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. But anyways, uh, so I was just like, do you have any like what are your things like that? Or do you just hold everything between your two ears and you're you're rock steady and just able to keep yourself on the level? Or how do you like organize your weeks or what are your best practices in terms of because you you've been running your own business now for a long time? I I don't have a system like that. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Just Hmm. how having a system like that would just be so much easier. Yeah. Um even like down to scheduling social media posts. I haven't done it in a while because I haven't sat down and scheduled post out yet. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I, I do wish I had a system where I could, you know, have my list of tasks to do. And I do think things would work better. Yeah. Especially now that Elephant Scout's kind of grown a little bit. You know, we have three writers working on this next project. Yeah. And we're all working on different things. So it would be nice to have some sort of visual board to know who to yell at who's not picking up slack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with a large collaborative project like that, I, f- I feel like it'd be helpful to be able to like visualize each person's part of it, right? You know, I mean, as, we, we, as it goes, we did do a Google Doc together, and we all split it up evenly, and we like did that visually. But it's kind of just there, and it's not really accessible to all of us, and it's not really in a format that helps get things done. It defines things, but it doesn't really make a schedule of tasks to have completed by a certain day to eventually get to completion. Yeah. yeah, It sounds like this uh, helps that a lot. Yeah. I mean, at least it does for me. I'd be really interested to see if it works for your particular workflow, because I'm wondering if you can share a Kanban board. Now I'm just using that phrase 
all the time. I'm going to use it for everything. Um, uh, it sounds like the name of a Jimmy Buffett song or something. Kanban right. board. Kanban um, board. uh but but i wonder if you can share one of those between like multiple people and now you're all like you can move the tiles and stuff like that as you actually get stuff finished to each like milestone um yeah it's i mean i don't know i'm i'm interested i don't want to become one of these people who's uh like have you have you ever used evernote Mm, i've tried yeah that's that's my exact that's my exact sentiments about it right it's like there seem to be people and I even checked out the Evernote Reddit, by the way. And it's like it's full of people who are hacking the shit out of it to a level that like I don't even understand. Wow. But Evernote, it's like I know this is going to make me sound really, really dumb, but it's either like not user friendly enough or it does too much stuff or it just overwhelms me or something. But it's like it's not an effective tool for me because I don't build a system out of it. And then I nothing. I have it, but nothing, nothing gets logged the right way. Nothing. I I can never figure out a good organizational system. And I think that that's honestly because it's the difference between Android and iPhone, Mm -hmm. right? The idea of being able to customize all my stuff and whatever the hell an Android offers is really appealing. But to be honest with you, I don't want to spend all that time doing that. I just want to plug and play, right? I want to have my music thing, my podcast thing, my texting thing, and it's all set up already and it all kind of flows together. And that's what the iPhone does, right? It, it has everything locked in. It doesn't allow for so much variability that it gets complex. Evernote, I feel like, is way too complicated because there's just so much variability in the way that you could do it that it's like I, I already have to do background research just to figure out how to use this app. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I keep it old school. I do make to-do lists and like write it out on a piece of paper and just check things off when push comes to shove. And I do have a calendar, a Google calendar, when... I have to, you know, meet with people. Mm-hmm. That's what I put in my calendar just because I know someone else is giving up their time. I need to remember that. Right, right. And my calendar will remind me that I need to do that. But for other for other things, it's mostly just in my head, but getting it out would be more productive, I think. Yeah, because it's it's also with this and what I'm trying to figure out is I'm wondering how much stuff I'm leaving on the table, so to speak, by not physically or I mean not physically digitally but without allocating those thoughts um there was a quote that I came across um somewhere that's not here but it's like I forget who said it but basically somebody said it might have been Walt Whitman which is like who fucking cares but uh uh I think whoever it was said um your brain was designed to have ideas but not to store them which is only partially true because your brain is also obviously a storage unit. Yeah, but you only use 10% of your brain. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's say that. Um, But yeah, actually, it's, it's like if you want to, but I think it's, and there's, you know, I probably could find the background science to reinforce this, but I think that it's probably true, right? That the more of your kind of, brain power and energy that you're using for storage and then for retrieval it'll limit the amount that you'll be able to dedicate to just having ideas and just like thinking critically about stuff i think this isn't again not vetted out in any sort of way so theoretically if you lower this this uh basically focus and energy that you are portioning towards like storing information and now you have it somewhere whether it's like in a physical notebook whether it's online on your 
on your Kanban board, whether it's uh, <laughs> in your Google Calendar, whether it's, you know, you get an assistant and they're just responsible for, you know, taking all your notes. I don't know. Um, but it kind of frees up. Like, I can understand why, you know, that why or how that would free up a whole lot of uh, RAM, basically, for you to just focus on kind of creative output tasks as opposed to like, oh, yeah, I need to mem- like remember all this background stuff. Like it, it relieves that burden of you sort of. It's kind of like writing a first draft uh, for me with screenplays. The first draft is always a lot of people call it a vomit draft because just because mm-hmm. you're just getting the initial ideas out on the page because then mm-hmm. you really finesse things and rework things and the rewrite. And that's mm-hmm. where the real writing happens is rewriting these initial ideas and just make them better and building them up and really executing them. Uh, to the fullest con- uh, extent versus what's just locked up in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually a really helpful thing to bring up because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of these like long form Reddit posts that I want to, or like these, I mean, for lack of a better word, essays or, you know, whatever that, uh, I'm thinking about. And the problem is, is that I'm not really thinking about it in terms of a, I mean, with a narrative structure, you would think about like a beginning, a middle and an end. Right. Uh Similarly, I'm not really thinking about like like I have a premise in my head about what I'm trying to. And I have so I have the beginning and the middle, basically, like I have the idea that I'm trying to investigate and then the point that I'm trying to arrive at. But all that middle ground is, you know, it's it's just out there in the ether. So I guess you're right. It's like I should focus more about just the first draft just being just getting it out, like whatever. And then you can rearrange how things go and figure out how things flow best and stuff that comes in secondary and tertiary drafts is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of the, uh, the underpants gnomes from South Park. (laughs) Phase one, collect underpants. I don't know what phase two is, but phase three is profit. Profit. Right. 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 Exactly. That's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at because I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, I really want to introduce the topic of why nootropics would be interesting for jujitsu, right? Specifically. Uh-huh. Because, and then I have this whole thing like, okay, well, explain how it's more of a mentally taxing sport and explain working cognition and explain how that's important for blah, blah, blah. And explain how realistically what we're doing is we have uh, this whole section of our brain called mirror neurons. This is probably super boring, but um, we have this whole section of our brain that is made up of mirror neurons and what those basically do, it's how we as humans learn anything, right? Is that they activate in a very interesting way when we witness somebody doing a physical action or speaking or doing, you know, whatever we watch them doing this. And then those mirror neurons fire as if we were doing the action ourselves. So it, it lays this baseline for you to understand like, Oh, okay. So I'm going to reach over and I'm going to grab like this, you know, thumb to thumb. Okay. And then do that. And you can, so just by watching someone, your brain is actually already firing in the way that it would need to, to actually physically do the thing. So you're learning how to do, like, that's how that works. So I wanted to describe that pathway and then describe how nootropics can be a very beneficial thing to that. So I have this general concept, but I have no idea in terms of structure or layout or in terms of like how I'm going to arrive at this conclusory point that'll wrap it up in a nice, neat little bow. And then we can go from there. Like, I don't really know how to do that. So that's, that's actually a good call out is to just you know, I like to what I do on podcasts, which is like I <laughs> ramble, I ramble for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. 
and then, you know, but now I have the opportunity to kind of take a, a second look, a third look, a fourth look and reshape and kind of reform as things go. Right. Because it's definitely easier to rework something that's already existent. I mean, it seems like that's what you do on a daily basis is you optimize things. You mm-hmm. look at something and try to make it better. So if you're trying to make something better that's inside your head, it doesn't really exist until yeah. you write it down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, on your to-doist. On my to-doist. Well, now I have a... Kanban. My Kanban. I do have a task on my Kanban board that uh, is for writing this long-form post. So now I have to do it. But to that point, I should be specific enough. And this kind of goes back into uh, SMART goals, which we talked about on CSS. Right. That I never understood the value. It's like it's one of those things that you never understand the value of doing until you do it. You know what I mean? But it's like the difference between smart goals and everything else is that like I actually have a way to measure my progress towards it. Like it has metrics, basically, uh, as opposed to just saying something. And I think that that's the difference between people who make goals that are smart goals versus the people who just make like these lofty New Year's resolutions. Because you don't have if you don't have anything to measure against. You know, you're just like, oh, I, I want to get fit in 2020. It's like, well, what does that mean? Right. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything. So like then you think like, oh, I, I'm still fit if I'm doing or if I'm still getting fit, if I'm doing this. And then before you know it, you're eating Haagen-Dazs. And do people still eat Haagen-Dazs? Yes. Uh, but I need to get fit in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> as an as an aside. <laughs> just, just a side note. Just a quick side ramble. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but but basically it's like the so it was kind of the same thing that I recognized was happening with smart goals is that so for instance, you know, uh with a smart goal that I measured up is that by the end of 2020, I wanted uh at least a good baseline in terms of formulations that teach that tells me what ingredients are key and absolutely necessary and which ones aren't or maybe superfluous that way I can keep I can like keep a good measure of my margins as you would like start to price this product out. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, what I can't be doing is like selling it basically at a low volume at a low amount that then I'm putting out more money for buying the products in bulk than what I'm getting in return. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That sounds like a spreadsheet. Chart. That's It is a lot like a spreadsheet. And that's basically what those uh, underpants gnomes are talking about when they're talking about profit. <laughs> Um, so, so, but given that, that, that goal was very measurable, right? Like that actually had measurability to it and, uh, it was specific enough. So given that those two things, it wasn't just about getting fit in 2020, you know, or something as vague as that, where that can be interpreted in many different ways. It has a specific outcome and therefore I know how far I am towards progress towards that or not. Right. So it's that's what I kind of think. I kind of think that all these things accumulated and everyone has their very unique workflow and stuff like that. But all of these things accumulated are basically tools in the tool belt that I said that weird. Let me say that. We're going to we're going to edit. Nope. Staying in. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, It's tools in the tool belt. (laughs) You said it the exact same way. No, I didn't. You'll hear it. You'll hear it when we when we review it. Um. Uh, uh, but, but these are all things that kind of like sharpen up your ability to execute 
better, like far less wasted effort, far less wasted time. At least that's what I'm experiencing with this Todoist is that that's at least keeping me on track a whole lot better than just, you know, mentally keeping things in my head or saying I was going to do something and then it just like doesn't. Life will always find just like this RFP response. You know what I mean? That like blew up my entire Saturday. Right. So so life will always find a way to interject a whole bunch of shit into your into your timeline that you didn't anticipate. The Todoist really just kind of keeps me it lowers. I think it does multiple things, but uh, it lowers the barrier to activation of like what I'm supposed to do. And then it also keeps everything so much more organized so that I always know what the next step is, as opposed to like me having to think really hard about it. Right. So. It sounds like. This is definitely uh, this definitely aligns with your approach to your workflow. Yes, as opposed to let's say someone just needs to write a to do list or <laughs> yeah, make a Google Calendar. Like it, there's there's a million of these apps out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and and that's you know I'm not saying Todoist is like the only one or it's the best one because I haven't even explored, but I'm just relaying that like man, it sure has been helpful across the past two weeks. How did you stumble upon it? Um. That's actually a great question. Another place that is not a sponsor of us, but may should be one day. Um, did, did I tell you about this Skillshare thing? Yeah, yeah, Skillshare. Yeah. So I got a free, because I was listening to this podcast, um, and they were like, oh, we've got this promo code for two months free of Skillshare. And I kind of checked out Skillshare, and it was a whole lot of stuff that seemed a little bit too far out of my, like there's a whole lot of photography stuff, videography, like really creative, uh, like stuff like that. That's just kind of out of my wheelhouse. And I, I didn't, you know, I don't even have a camera if I wanted to like pick up starting to learn photography, you know what I mean? Like there was a whole lot of stuff, but they had a bunch of general interest sort of stuff in like lifestyle and productivity and, and then some other stuff like, uh, you know, one of the classes that I have saved right now, I'm trying to finish one before I go to the next, as opposed to like multi-threading multiple, because I've learned that a lot of people are great multitaskers. I'm not one of them. Uh huh. Like I'm a great single tasker. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not a great multitasker. Um, so I'm trying to finish one before I start the other, but they have ones on podcasting. Uh, they have ones on here's how you like create a good Instagram brand. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because I'm trying to create like I was trying to work through how to create an Instagram brand for ramen profitable and also one for flow roll. Like, uh -huh. great. I would love to learn how to do that because like I only have experience with Instagram insofar as much as, hey, here's me with my dog. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know how successful that will be in terms of, you know, what I'm trying to achieve out of the other ones. Probably very successful. Yeah. I mean, everyone seems to love, you know, pictures of you with your dog, but never seems to be uh, not asked for or in demand. But um, but so basically through Skillshare, there was um, there was a class that was intriguing that was like, here's all like here. It was a class on setting up a productivity system. So it was like the same verbiage that you just used about like your particular systems and workflows and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, I realized that I don't have a system at all. I didn't even have a personal system that just like, oh, I prefer to keep I, I write my own to do list and I keep everything in a notebook and whatever. It's like I had no system. Mm -hmm. So going from so the, the class kind of went over it went over to doist. It gave like a high level overview of Evernote. But that's kind of where I decided that like Evernote isn't for me. Mm -hmm. because I was just like, Jesus, this thing is complicated, man. Like I get it. It's accessible everywhere and it can take it's this kind of notes and you can even take pictures and 
write stuff on top of it and stuff like that. But I was like, ah, that's too much stuff. Right. Um, so I just kind of followed along with uh, Todoist, setting up my calendar, setting up my calendar such that my Todoist syncs over to my calendar. Um, and then um, uh, like setting up uh, a better because my Google Drive has become just an absolute mess. So I like it walked me through how to like organize your files files better digitally and creating like a system for like holding your stuff. I needed that. My my drive. I have like a, a Google Drive, and I had to expand it for some re- from stupid project. Yeah, and I, I didn't want it because I didn't want to use Dropbox. But then my but then my Dropbox is a mess. But now I have like terabytes of cloud storage, and yeah. I'm like it's just a huge mess. I got to sit down and organize it. I guess sign yeah, up for Skillshare. Exactly. Learn how to organize it. Yeah, Skillshare. I think there's a guy named Thomas Frank, which to me sounds like two first names, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Thomas Frank. Um, uh, runs a, a building your own productivity system class or something like that. Um, and it's pretty useful. And uh, so, so I mean, for me, it just kind of like I've always been good enough at, you know, doing my job, like my nine to five, just keeping notes in a notebook and just being mentally on top of it. But it, it made me realize how much I'm leaving on the table in terms of working my day job, my personal goals, meaning like fitness goals and like reading goals and stuff like that. And then once I integrate flow roll and once I integrate then like also like household chores and stuff like that that I'm trying to remember to do, there's no way that I was going to get that all just by mental. So I was doing good enough. Like I was probably like a solid B plus or A minus in terms of keeping everything organized for work. But then everything else was kind of in disarray. And that's not really because I love like I like my day job. I like it. But ultimately what I'm trying to do is like I'm I don't know. I'm I have this uh, desire to be something a little bit more independent or I, I don't know what it is. You know, I really like the I don't know. But there's no way that I'd be able to do both if I don't start setting goals more appropriately, writing them down, setting deadlines for things, accomplishing them keeping a a view like a a high level view of all the projects that I'm trying to get done and doing those, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it just like we, like I was saying that we referenced in that CSS episode, for some reason, committing it to something does make it feel different and does Mm -hmm. make like, I've been doing a whole lot better in terms of accomplishing stuff, even for flow roll in the past two weeks than I was prior. It's kind of like, um, like letting go of that, the work uh, you have to keep track of work in your head right yeah if you're just taking notes at work and being like i have four projects to work on this week it's it, you're you're kind of keeping it all inside locked up in your head right yeah yeah but once you commit it to a schedule or uh like more so than just writing notes about it but like this is the time i'm going to work on it this is you know this is when i'm mm-hmm. going to be done with it. it you can kind of leave it at work you're not mm-hmm. bringing it home with you because you're still processing you, you have to hold on to all that energy of keeping track of those four projects you have to finish this week at work. Yeah. And then you bring that home with you and then you kind of forget about everything else because you have this huge thing just like lopped on your shoulders that you just know you need to take care of, but you can't let go of it and focus on work or home things or personal things because you're constantly thinking about work. But if you give it up to a schedule, yeah, you can let it go. You know, it's going to be taken care of because you've scheduled it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it kind of gives me it's weird that actually doing more and locking myself into more stuff is giving me more freedom. Like I know uh-huh. that that sounds like a counter counterintuitive example, 
But like, for instance, what I realized about this past week, I think I talked about this on the podcast already. My boundaries have completely collapsed uh, previously because like now I work from home. So I'm always technically available. So I'm working with people on the East Coast. So I'm working with them at like 630 in the morning. But then I'm also working with a West Coast person at like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. So like I'm just all the time doing 11 hour days or something like that. Like it just doesn't make sense. But once I scheduled in that, okay, I have this thing that I want to do for flow roll before going to jujitsu and then I'm going to jujitsu at six. So really I have to be done with work at four. All of a sudden I was done with work at four. Uh You know what I mean? And it's like it, it made that hard deadline. And now because it was my phone telling me and Todoist giving me a desktop reminder saying like, Hey, uh, in, in 15 minutes you've set this block for whatever. Then all of a sudden I was like, Oh shit. Time to log off. Let me get some water and let's get let's get into the next thing. Like it made it easier for me to do that. Um, and there's I forget who it is, but there's it's called somebody's last name, like the something principle, but it's in reference to a person. I don't know. So I know I'm not I'm not giving you a whole lot to go off of, <laughs> but um, but uh, it basically says that work will uh, occupy all of the time that you give for it. So, so basically if you say, oh, I have, um, I have two weeks to finish this project. It's like that project is going to take all two weeks because you've allowed yourself for it to take that much time. Is that Parkinson's law? Is that what it is? Work expands so as to fill the time available. Yes. Yes. Or it's exactly. completion. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I, I would have always just gotten that confused with Parkinson's disease, but, uh, yeah, Parkinson's law evidently. And I, I just, I know that that's true because I've been working, you know, my boundaries completely collapsed with work with like my nine to five. Uh, and I was doing much more than a nine to five, but now that I'm like, I'm holding myself accountable to getting goals done for my other projects in the same day, it's allowing me to like better define when I'm on and when I'm off and when I'm doing stuff for flow roll and when I'm doing stuff for, you know, whatever. It's like, it's really kind of made that a whole lot easier for me. Uh huh. That's great. I'm really happy you found a system that really, uh, melds with your process. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the real takeaway here is if you're, uh, uh, you know, a person like myself where you just assume that you don't need all that digital overhead and you don't need all that kind of stuff. It's like, you might not need it, but it will, at least in my experience, it's really fast tracking my ability to accomplish things and like really move the needle on stuff as opposed to kind of floundering in the same holding pattern for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I don't know. It's, uh, I think everybody probably has to have their own personal system that like works best for their workflow. Like I'm sure yours and mine wouldn't be exactly the same. Uh, but all I can say is that it's been incredibly helpful for me. And so I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Todoist and how it's completely changed my life. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think your, this process would work for me. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more of a free spirit. I don't really have like daily commitments or anything like that. Uh-huh. So I don't mind working on something at 10 PM at night versus yeah, yeah, yeah. six in the morning. But just knowing I have to do something that day definitely gets me f- moving forward on projects, but maybe I do need to, you know, sit, set aside some time during the day, during the daylight hours to really work on <laughs> things and get things moving forward. 
Well, I think you're you're kind of more in general a, a creative person than I am. So I, I think for you, that kind of like workflow would be a little bit different because it's all about like when you're f- in that flow state and when you're able to kind of like, oh, this is the I, I know the story that I want to tell. Here's how I want to do it, whatever. But I do think the way that it would, you know, because everyone has collaboration problems, right? Like that's, that's ultimately one of, one of the, uh, in chemistry, it's called a limiting reagent. So it's like the thing that runs out first. And so it stops the chemical reaction for me. And I know that you've kind of evoked the same thing. It's like, it's always working with other people that kind of jams it up a little bit. Cause I don't know what they're accountable for. And I don't know what they're going to deliver if they're going to deliver out on time, all that kind of stuff. So at least the idea of a Kanban board, <laughs> seems to uh seems to to you know work well in terms of especially with this um with your uh what did you call it a live pot or a a scripted podcast scripted podcast it seems like it would work well with the scripted podcast since you have deliverables that you need from other people right so yeah so i'm gonna i will set up the system and try and make it work yeah try and make it work give, yeah, give it, it was, a give it a go give it the old college try the old college try so what does dinosaurs say <laughs> I mean, wait, are you calling me a dinosaur too? Cause I say that often. Do you? Yeah. Although I'm, I'm realizing I'm getting into, uh, like what was it that I just, Oh yeah. I'm realizing that I think it's this year. Yeah. This year or this coming year, um, I will have been out of college for twice the amount of time that I was in college. Whoa. Yeah crazy it is cosmic it is cosmic um got anything to anything new to plug anything anyone can find anywhere nothing new to plug um yeah i got i, I gotta make something new i'm gonna i'm gonna get a todoist yeah there you go make something and new do some stuff this weekend i'll let you know next week yeah yeah so for me i'm trying to get back into the social media train i t- and i know i've said this in previous episodes but now i have a to-do list so things are going to be different <laughs> uh but I'm, I'm trying to get back onto the social media train because i i just went on hiatus for a long time because i really didn't like uh the direction that all of that was heading basically for for a long time but now i mean that hasn't necessarily changed all that much but for me um you know, I want to start promoting ramen profitable more and doing that better. But then I also have this kind of smaller uh, project myself where I'm trying to optimize, like I'm really actually putting a push into good nutrition this time around or whatever. So I've got a personal thing going as well. And then of course, I want to start generating some buzz on flow roll, because as we saw with that other product, it's like they don't, it's not even commercially available, but they already have a website. They already have an Instagram. They already are putting stuff out there. And it's, it's in the neighborhood of what I'm trying to do. So it's like, okay, I, I should, I got to stop fucking around basically. Yeah. Um, and even though I'm, I am actually doing hard work in terms of the actual product that I think will show in the end result, because it's like, I'm actually trying to get the best version of the product possible that I can, uh, at least in terms of first run. And then once I'm able to, you know, hopefully have money such that I cannot be building formulations out of my house <laughs> is the idea. Um, which is that's a whole other thing. Maybe we should say for a podcast of a different time, uh, because I'm I'm looking into how that's done, and there's actually some really affordable options and stuff like that. But it's a whole different thing. It's um, a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So basically, uh, find me on Instagram right now. I only have the one handle. It's at Atish Mazish, A-T-I-S-H-M-A-Z-I-S-H, and I promise I'm going to be uploading some more content there. But 
more importantly, uh, I hopefully will have some content for future things. Uh, I have a long form Reddit post. I actually have a Reddit account. Uh, so uh, I have a long form post that will go up there that I'm going to also try to mirror over to a website. These are all it's all on the Kanban board. It's all on the Kanban. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, perfect. Um, yeah, that's it for me. You can you can find me at there for now. Uh, Twitter is a dumpster fire, so I'm basically never going to engage on Twitter ever. <laughs> is my it really is like are are you still do you still function on Twitter at all? I recently uh, just ran some advertising on Twitter, and I don't know. I just it just doesn't seem worth it. It's completely I I've completely lost the thread on what you're supposed to be doing on Twitter. Right. I mean, because it's just the way they present threads or people present ideas. And then there's this new trend going on with uh, shareable content, like uh-huh. uh, people making their own graphics, infographics. And it's like, what's really true? What's really not true? Uh-huh. And things are just so easy to share, but not easy to really check and verify yourself. Yes, yes, and it's, yes. it's just a, it's a bizarre time right now. Yeah, exactly. And Twitter seems to be the place like all social media in a general sense have kind of been escalated into weird like territories that I'm not that big of a fan of. But Twitter seems to be the most like it. It, it just seems to be the most polarized and the most crazy. And like people are just like making threads and threads, threads of just like people reposting and calling people cucks and all kinds of other things. So I'm just like, ah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on all that. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I've been thinking about what, you know, before social media, we would just do, you know, traditional advertising, you know, and right. newspapers and whatever it was, commercials, radio ads. But now it seems like a lot of people I know want to get away from social media, especially people my age, because it's just yeah. such uh, we're kind of just getting too old for it. It's like we grew up with it. We were there at its inception where we thought it was a good thing. Now it's yeah. just this gross thing. And so it's uh, like, but what do you do next? What's going to be the next thing? If I were to take Elephant Scout off social media, what do I do? Where do I right. go? Yeah, if and I, especially for, you know, what you're doing, it's like that it just seems to like that's the marketplace for it, right? Like I Right. So I just, I just don't I guess I I don't know. There there's I'm sure there's a way to do it without social media. Just got to sit down and put it on the the Kanban can board. Kanban. Kanban? The the Kanban board. Kanban board. And just see what happens. Yeah. 